everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. That's actually very on topic for uh, today's episode because uh, <laughs> this is a science fiction movie podcast. We talk about sci-fi movies every week and today we are talking about the Patreon vote winner uh, from last month. Every month on patreon.com slash TV, your patrons get to select between four films and the winner was Independence Day, the 1996 summer blockbuster, which uh, was huge when it came out. In fact, I, I remember this. I remember this was right around the age where, you know, I was really starting to take in things. In fact, I might have even had an Independence Day uh, bedspread, believe it or not. Where it's so weird that this movie had one of those, that I think about it. It's kind of a weird thing, but I think I did. Um, and I think I remember not understanding why the abbreviation was ID4. Okay. It's not yeah. a little bit silly when I think about it. I get it's July 4th, but like it's just it's not like... Yeah, you're right. I mean, the 4 isn't in the title. No, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, I also didn't know what July 4th was when I first saw this as a kid. Uh, I'll, I'll just throw that out there. So his big speech, and I'm like, well, uh, Independence Day, what? I don't know what that is. Uh, I saw this also when i was a canadian when i was a little <laughs> canadian kid however i happened to be traveling to the states that summer with uh, my friend and her family and we were in arizona when i saw it so i was in america when i saw independence day interesting interesting yeah Do you know i um i just for reasons that i don't really wish to get into i had to watch twilight and you know <laughs> bella is from arizona that trivia for you fun fact <laughs> Yes. Um, Thanks for that. Look out for that streams after midnight episode. Oh. So. It's not really a horror movie, is it? I mean, it's got vampires and werewolves. I mean, uh, okay. Oh, you so. love that stuff. <laughs> uh, honestly, the worst thing about that that episode of Screams After Midnight is that Tim was oddly not as hateful as he should have been in. Well, you guys both love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so it makes sense that you guys would like Twilight. That would be a good crossover, huh? <laughs> so Independence Day, Independence Day, obviously a movie from our childhood, came out in 1996. It is right in the peak of uh, Will Smith mania. Uh, basically, 1995 had Bad Boys, 96 had Independence Day, 97 had Men in Black. So this was the trio of movies that kind of made Will Smith the superstar to the world that he, that he is. Obviously, he was well known from Fresh Prince, but this kind of made him a global like phenomena kind of thing at the time. Uh, yeah. As an ensemble, though, he's not the, the lead. There's no lead, per se. We have a number of actors who are kind of taking uh, significant portions to themselves. Bill Pullman plays the president, of course, in the movie. Jeff Goldblum uh, plays a... I don't know what his exact job title is. His dad keeps joking that he's a cable repair guy. So he is in TV industry. He's, he, is, he is doing something technical with satellite dishes and TV, but he's not just the guy who goes around and hooks up your HBO as much as Judd Hirsch would like to, uh, you know, crack jokes about it. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so we have that. There's a couple other faces in there. We have someone from Firefly <laughs> and Adam Baldwin in a small role. We have someone we have from someone Star from Trek. my show. Yeah, Star Trek. <laughs> we have Brent Spiner. And then we even have someone from Arrested Development. We have... I know. Her? May Whitman is the president's daughter in this. <laughs> and do you want to know how I found this out? It's because when the sequel was coming out, 
uh, like actors were like sticking up for Mae Whitman and critiquing that they wanted to they didn't bring her back to play the adult version of herself they cast Micah Monroe who, who's a fine actress who's in It Falls I like her plenty but they were critiquing that wait you, you went for this you know skinny blonde as opposed to just casting Mae Whitman and they know, probably didn't remember her yeah um, they looked at the uh, they looked at the, the casting photo and said I just don't see anybody there <laughs> So you should cast me, Whitman. Huh? <laughs> 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 we'll go with the blonde. Yeah. If you've not seen Arrested Development, the, the last thirty seconds was just a confusing mess of words to you. But just uh, trust us. Do uh, yourself a favor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, it's, we have a very diverse cast of nineties uh, people, right? Um, and the movie, of course, the premise is simple: aliens come down in the giant ships and essentially wage destruction and war on the earth as humans uh, try to figure out a way to find back uh, and i i did not i was not prepared when i sat down to watch this uh, for the two hour and 25 minute runtime. i i sat down thinking it's been a long time since i've seen this movie i forgot yeah. also i was like oh this is about an hour 40 maybe two hours tops 225 like so <laughs> yeah so that was a surprise but here's here's the thing the interesting thing about this movie i think is that this came out at a time when we were kids, and it was very mm-hmm. successful and popular. I know I liked it at that age. I assume you did too. Uh, I think I'll get into it later. Sure, but the, I'll the, say that I liked it. Yeah, the interesting thing for me getting into this is that Roland Emmerich, not too long after this, because the next movie he did after this, I think, was Godzilla from '98, which, Oof. admittedly, I was young enough to not hate that movie when it came out. However, I was old enough to know that this is. Horror, it's so cringy. I yeah. just can't watch it. Uh, don't get me wrong. I recognize that upon a later viewing. But uh, <laughs> by the time that Day After Tomorrow came out, which was, if not next, the one after the next one, uh, yeah, because they had The Patriot after Godzilla. That was just a really weird, different movie compared to the rest of the things that he's done. I like The Patriot. <laughs> Do you know what I've always viewed The Patriot as? The Patriot is like an expansion pack to Braveheart. It's like, we're going to do that again, but in the US. It is. I mean, I'm. A villain gets stabbed with an American flag. It's so good. <laughs> um, I've I've not seen it in a long time. I, I, that was one of those like sort of like cable premieres, like you know back when it premiered on yeah. the movie channel. You get a, you know, prime Heath Ledger in it too. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, so Gibson. I, before we knew about you know. Well, maybe some people knew, but <laughs> yeah, before it was publicly uh, readily right. available. But in uh, 2004, though, you had Day After Tomorrow, and that was kind of the 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 first one of Emmerich's that I saw and kind of went, hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> something's not quite right here. And then everything after that, I mean, I saw one or two of them. I didn't see all of them. I I saw uh, mm-hmm. 2012, and I I didn't see 10. I wanted to see Midway, but I didn't. Mm. I didn't see it. I, I didn't see uh, the, was it 10 million BC or 10,000 BC? Whatever the BC one he did was. 10,000. Yeah, and I never um, saw... I, I think I saw that. Yeah, I, I think got... I, that one was pretty disappointing. It, it did like a Shakespeare movie at some point as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Anonymous? I'll take your word for it. I don't, I don't recall, but... Yeah, about about the, um, uh, the Oxford guy who, like... Uh, there, there is a conspiracy theory out there that Shakespeare didn't actually write his plays, but it was actually mm. like the the dean of Oxford College or whatever at the time, who who wrote all the plays but couldn't get them published for whatever reason. 
So he just gave them to Shakespeare and Shakespeare took all the credit. <laughs> I mean, it would make sense that like someone who was, Never mind. I'm not going to go into I'm not one of those. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Tara caught herself before she got a lot it's, of angry it's comments. Not, it's not a great movie, but I think it's a okay movie. Yeah. So, I mean, the point I was getting at, though, is that having not really seen this, even though I saw it a lot as a kid, I'm, I'm sure I, you know, watched the, the VHS I had of it, uh, taped off the movie channels, and uh, I think I did have the DVD, so I probably, the last time I probably watched this was probably in my mid-teens. So, we're talking 15 years, give or take. And I think the fascinating thing about watching this again now, after all this time, is the question I had in my head was, okay, is this actually better than the later stuff he did that is universally derided? Or, is it just another Roland Emmerich movie that was was, was just disguised by the fact that I was, you know, what, seven, eight, when this came out? Like, so... Sure. And it was also just so 90s. Yeah, so, very 90s, yeah. You know, it's it's going up against other blockbusters of the 90s, which, yeah. you know, are, are okay. But there's a lot of disaster movies. And yeah. Roland Emmerich's pretty good at them, you know. Good's a very interesting word to use, I would say, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not accurate, I, I don't think, but I get what you're saying. He's, he, he, he does them. Yeah. <laughs> he shows up and he does them. So, he goes all in. <laughs> so uh, they're very formulaic, and maybe that's the other problem is that the, the formula obviously wasn't as apparent yet because this was the first one he did. Because before this, he'd, he'd done Universal Soldier and Stargate, which were a bit different. Um, so yeah, so the, the, the gist of the movie is the gist of the movie, which which I said. So uh, we'll start spoiler free, I guess, if you happen to care. Uh, we'll give you a warning before we get spoilers. Uh, I will simply ask the question here, Tara. After watching Independence Day again and in the prime of your life, mm-hmm. how do you feel about it? It's not good, <laughs> but there are parts of it that I really find myself getting into. Can, so can I... it's it's mixed. It's mixed for me. It's mixed, but it's really like the the stuff that's cringy is just so cringy. Yeah. Can I can I propose? I'm going to guess something here. I'm going to guess. I'm going to put this into three categories for you. So there's a th- there's a third of things that you just don't like because the, the movie's just not that good. There's a third yeah. of things that are saved just because of nostalgia, and then there's a third of things that are saved because it happens to have a very good cast. Because you like yeah. Jeff Goldblum, because you like Will Smith, because you like Bill Pullman, because you like whoever, right? That's basically like if you didn't have Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith in this movie, like it would buckle. I agree. I mean, they are very charismatic people. Yes. I I do think, but I can't help but laugh at some of the parts, but also like, you know, even a lot of the Arnold stuff that we watch, like a lot of it is generally like great movies, but some of them are not so good, but you just like it because of Arnold. You know, you, you like watching Arnold do one-liners. You know, Will Smith's got a lot of one-liners in this movie and he is really cool. I... Here's the thing. I think Will Smith's one-liners have not aged as well as Arnold's have. They have not. I feel like some... doesn't have an accent. <laughs> Actually, but I also feel like a lot of Will Smith's one-liners in this movie and in Men in he's Black... He's kind of shouty. They're kind of, well, they're kind of shouty, but they're also... Like, they feel like... I mean, don't get me wrong. Will Smith's a cool guy. I'm not saying he's not cool, but they also he's feel like... He's super cool. It, it feels like his lines in this movie and a couple of the other movies around this time are designed to try and make him sound as cool as possible. 
and some oh, of definitely. them do feel like they're trying a bit hard like there was like you know the, the, there, there was times in this movie where he'll have like three one-liners in the space of about 30 seconds and i'm like and he's talking have, to no one yeah one would have done <laughs> one would have done you know i it's yeah like it, so I, that that's a, that's, a, that's a weird thing uh that kind of sticks out to me is that the movie's determined <laughs> like above all else to, like you know, have Will Smith be it, and Will Smith is a superstar. He is a superstar for a lot of reasons, but I think I I I felt I, it's almost like I could see the Matrix code a little bit in the writing, yeah. if that makes sense. Uh, so that that was kind of there. Um, I will I will say I didn't remember a lot of the goofier small characters that kind of are around. Uh, oh God, I really me. don't like Harvey Firestein very <laughs> much in this movie. Yeah, his his I gotta call my liar. Ah, forget my liar. Like you know, like <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot. Of... Like everything, every moment with him is just so cringy. There's definitely some cheesy stuff. There's definitely you know, and what one of the other things is, is again is this was kind of the, a state of the art blockbuster when it came out, and I think it was funny about watching it now is how much of the effects don't really hold up that much. Like there's a lot. Yeah, of I mean, ones. I remember like just the my job being on the floor when like the buildings explode, but. It, it, there's so much of the buildings that like it is great model work but you could still tell that there are models like mm-hmm. the buildings you could see the you could see like the sticks when they blow up you know that they're just hollow inside yeah. i don't know yeah those they don't really hold up as well which was disappointing because i remember really enjoying that's but, i mean that's why you watch it you watch it on the big screen yeah. with the big alien ships and you watch the white house go like turn into popsicle sticks that, that's literally what they sold the movie on the first teaser trailer was just the white house blowing up that's that's how they advertised it yeah i remember in my head that that we saw more than just american monuments blow up but, <laughs> but that's not true yeah. Uh, there, <laughs> all there... these floaty scenes are in america I, I just didn't for some reason i thought well no we see the eiffel tower blow up i'm sure no no uh, nope. there is there is an extended cut but i don't think it adds any explosionary bits no because uh, the dvd the blu-ray doesn't have it but the dvd maybe, well maybe one of the blu-rays has it but the one i have doesn't I, this is one of those movies where like back when I was buying Blu-rays in the first like couple of years of getting Blu-rays, there was a lot of like, oh, get three for twenty deals and things like that. So Independence you Day was hard to justify it. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, like I I have so many movies that like I remember liking from being younger that like you know watching again. I'm like yeah, I'd never buy this. <laughs> There's no way I'd ever buy Independence Day now. Uh, I mean to, to to get to the point, I suppose I never really said what I felt about it. Yeah, it's not that good. It's kind of like. It's definitely easier to sit through than some, obviously, his later movies because I have no attachment to his later movies. Whereas this one does have this odd, like, oh, I remember watching this as a kid, so there's some fond memories of it existing. But mm-hmm. uh, actually sort of looking at it and, like, kind of, you know, like, R- Randy Quaid, like, his character is, you know, something. Uh, <laughs> his his kids aren't that good. I mean, the kids aren't there, but I, I feel like the kids get a lot of time in the first, like, 20 minutes as they're sort of setting up Randy Quaid. And then they're barely there for the rest of it. They're just kind of in the background in a couple of scenes for the most part. Yeah. yeah. And are oh. they his... They are his kids? Yeah, yeah. yeah they've heard him as the dad multiple times. Uh, uh, actually, okay. <laughs> I'll say this. When it comes to the movies about people being abducted by aliens... God told me to as the superior film, and I'll stand by that. 
<laughs> me too so all i could think about because that was actually one of those little jokes uh which is clearly meant to be a joke is when the two guys who were kind of making fun of him at the diner being interviewed on the news and he leans in and goes when he was taken by the aliens they abused him pause sexually and i thought man that's just that's a lame joke like he, that just feels like such a dirty thing oh you're making jokes about how the aliens probed him <laughs> right? yeah. i mean i don't know it's just that's one of those things that just feels a little bit too uh 90s 90s were afraid of anything that's homosexual yeah 90s <laughs> 90s broad humor well that there's another joke with that as well actually uh there's a few yeah uh where, you know where the guy walks in and it looks like the, 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 like uh, will smith's friends holding his engagement ring and he's on his Very knee yeah and the uh the other guy comes in and i mean know, this one doesn't feel too bad because it's the sort of thing where that joke would still kind of work now if it was just like, oh, you proposed in the locker room. All right, this is awkward. I'll, I'll leave. Um, like, the, the only thing you would change to make this joke work now is that the reaction from the guy who walks in would be slightly different. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you could sell it as congratulations. You could also sell it as like, oh, I've walked in in a private moment. I'm going to awkwardly walk back out or something. You know, you could do that in a couple of ways that would work now. But obviously, sure. this guy's got a smirk in his face. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'll leave you to. I'm no. Oh, I want no part of this." Uh, yeah. So there's a couple of little uh, jokes like that, which is whatever. Um, I Plus, mean, Firestein's character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a recycling push in this movie as well. Although I get, I've got a sneaking suspicion. The recycling push was more about holding up Coke cans as much as humanly possible as it was about actually promoting recycling. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Because every every time he's like uh, Goldblum's talking about the recycling, he's like, ah, Coke cans, Coke cans, he's just holding them up all over the place. I mean, there was like a huge push for just recycling after the Exxon Valdez incident. And I was just trying to see where that was. It was 1989, so a bit before this, but... Um... What was the? There's another one where um, New York had a trash problem, and they had like a, a just a a barge that was just full of trash that they were trying to export to another place, and they said we don't want it. So then there was just floating trash in like the New York, whatever that is, um, and uh, because nobody would want it, and then there was like a big push for recycling after that. So I, I would, the Exxon Valdez was in the oil spill though. Mm. Anyway, sorry if that was <laughs> badass. Bad, bad context, not important. But... <laughs> Joe was weird. I can't remember the name of the oil or not the oil, the uh, the trash. See part. when it cut to the uh, whenever it cut the streets in New York. You know, typically, when the ship was first showing up and all these cars are stopping, uh, I did not remember one random car getting hit by a truck like in the middle of all this. But uh, like not a random car, it was a police car. It was a police car, yeah. Well, because that was the thing—the police car and the other cars. Like, it's getting weird to me now how those like, and with the nineties specifically. Like, I'm I'm when I watch movies from the nineties now, some of them. This one, I was noticing it not so much in scenes where it was just the big actors in rooms talking, but in scenes like this when they're out in the street and I'm seeing the cars and I'm seeing how the cop cars look. I'm like, this looks really old now, and. Why that feels weird is because I, you know, I saw this when it came out. I grew up through this era, and because you know, it's one thing when I'm like, oh, I look at. And a you 70s watch American movie. TV and movies, so you you recognize like uniform and cars from yeah, yeah, like from New York, things. but not like your own country. <laughs> Wait, I know what my own country's uniforms and cars look like. Thank you very much. Yeah, but do you do you really recognize like a cop uniform from the '90s in? I guess I don't know. What do you guys have? Scotland Yard. 
Um, I don't know if they've changed that much since uh, the 90s. It's probably good that you never really had a lot of experience with the police. Yeah, that probably is a good thing, right? <laughs> probably is a good thing. Um, let's just watch Hot Fuzz. They look like Hot Fuzz. Okay, so... Um, well, I, with occasionally the big the big hat. Not always. It depends. I'm not sure what the, what, why some wear the big round hat and some don't, but the, the round hat does exist. Isn't that only for like the Queen's Guard? No, nah, no, nah, Nick Frost was definitely wearing that in Hot Fuzz. He was definitely not guarding the Queen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about the no furry problem. one. I'm talking about the sort of round, sort of hard hat. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah, the furry one's the Queen's Guard, yeah. I'm not wear the furry hats. Do you, know, do you know what I love? I bet there's some British people listening to this who are appalled that I have no idea <laughs> what any of this is called. Look, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Um, anyway... Uh, so I just thought it was weird because of, like I grew up in the nineties and like now the nineties looks so old to me. Uh, actually, one of the most surreal things you can find on YouTube or, or on this subject is that there's like HD footage that someone recorded on a very early version of a HD camera in 1993, and it's just streets in New York of people walking around, but it's in like you know modern digital HD quality, and it's like surreal seeing it through that lens of like yeah. you know this looks like it was shot yesterday, but it's 1993. Yeah, uh, very strange. But anyway. Really big, really big jackets. Mm-hmm. Pants that had high waist for men. Yeah. 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 Well, well, that's the other thing is that movies from the 2000s, and this is not just because I watched Twilight recently, but Twilight's guilty of it, is like, they have a look now. And it, was, it wasn't really noticeable at the time, but now I'm when I watch a movie from like 2005, I'm like, yeah, this looks like a 2005 movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's bound to happen. Yeah, and not all of them have it, but like a lot of them have that blue tint, and it's like I hate it. Anyway, uh, so yeah, what else do we want to talk about? Uh, the, the ship designs, alien designs. Do we care about? They look things? familiar. <laughs> there's some, yeah, there's some similarities to some some things. Um, actually, one of the effects that really didn't hold up for me is uh, when you do see inside the mothership, and it's all CG. It it looked like uh. Like, oh, the, the PS One cutscene just kicked in, and we're, we're, we're watching these weird. Some of the practical stuff was alright, um, but oh, yeah, yeah. The, pra- the practical stuff was alright. Yeah, the um, the aliens look a lot like uh, like aliens that we've seen in other films. There's a lot of the alien like queen, <laughs> specifically. I thought is that actually I thought the most recent War of the Worlds remake looks a lot like the Independence Day alien too. Hmm. Yeah, which is interesting because they still give them the eyes like the sort of classic Area Fifty One style, you know, aliens, little green men kind of thing. But uh, obviously, they gave them the more kind of big movie version of whatever. Um, so no, no, they're fine. Like this is the thing. I I don't think the design stuff really stands out all that much. Uh, this was always a movie more about the destruction and the design of the aliens. Uh, they want they wanted the ships to be mammoth in size so you could see the shadow cover the entire city. Uh, I know they said like fifteen miles in length. It looks way bigger than that. <laughs> I uh, I'm pretty sure this is probably the movie that taught me that New York and Washington D.C. were you know relatively close together. Yeah, they are. Yeah, uh, driving distance like a four hour drive or something, yeah. maybe less. Yeah, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's why I knew that growing up is because of this movie. Just because of the whole bit where they're driving to uh, to Washington, uh, and Judd Hirsch is complaining that they're the only schmucks trying to get in. And yes, I said schmucks because 
I'm pretty sure Judd Hirsch is also my first experience of what a Jewish person is. I'm not going to lie in this movie. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of very uh, full stereotypes in this film. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I love the 90s when we have like post-racism America. <laughs> Everybody gets along in this diverse world. Like, mm. oh, I'm glad we fixed racism. <laughs> yeah, sitcoms were like that, especially, actually. Uh, even yeah. sitcoms I love uh, kind of were guilty of treating it as like, oh, it was just solved. It's done. No, we yeah, fixed it. We, we did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you grow up and realize that's not true <laughs> well depending on where you live it may just be apparent it's not true anyway but where i lived it took, it took a few years because i mean it's mostly white people around here but yeah there's there's just a there's a hollywood glaze over things yeah uh so yeah i mean i feel like yeah we just need to get into the plot because i i don't know if there's a whole lot of things to talk about i mean maybe music i suppose is that, the score's all right david arnold's all Fine. yeah uh it's, it's not the, really stood out to me it's not the best uh it gets a little bit you know when the big speech comes and like it's getting That's a little part. patriotic and whatnot and the music sort of I like. going for it <laughs> uh all, all, all i could think was you know what you've been taught by uh idris elba this doesn't sound like canceling the apocalypse to me what what is that from pacific rim Oh. <laughs> oh, come on. I saw Pacific Rim once, and I, like, barely got through it. Tonight, we are canceling the apocalypse! I was like, oh, okay. that's a great speech. Sure. It's a great speech. I wonder who inspired him. Um, it wasn't Bill Pullman, I'll tell you that. <laughs> President Whisperspeak? Do you know what whispery. Joe, you know I noticed actually for the first time ever in this movie, not because it's a hard thing to notice, but just because obviously I wasn't at an age where I would notice this, is that when Pullman first shows up at the start of the movie as president, I sort of thought to myself, you know, he's kind of young to be a president, given like, and then literally like the very next scene, someone says like how the press treat him differently because he's such a young president. I was like, oh, they addressed it. All right, fair enough. Mm-hmm. I think when I was young, it never occurred to me that, oh, presidents are supposed to be older than this. They're supposed to be... Well, when you're young, everybody's old. That's true, yeah. All adults are, like, really old. Just think, to someone right now, we seem that way. <laughs> sure. Okay, one of us seems that way. Mm-hmm. Me, obviously. I mean, the hairline obviously. and the beard. I wasn't was, <laughs> acting crack at you. I would never dare. I would never dare. Uh, yeah, that's not like you at all. Totally out of your character. Yeah, so we'll, start, we'll, get, we'll get into spoilers then. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll take this time to thank our patron producers uh, for the month. Uh, they are uh, David Short, Alison M. Fordyce, Cindy Palacios, and Tyler Hess. Uh, they're patrons at the $20 tier. Uh, but they'll have to be a $20 tier uh, patron, do they, Tara? No, if you like what we do and you want to support us and support the channel, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. If you donate as little as $1 per month, you will get bonus episodes of The Ace, if you're wondering where movies like Time Cop and the Transfers Saga are, you can go check it out for one dollar. Yeah, dry hairs for squids. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I uh, thought of that a lot of people had greasy hair in this movie, and I thought, oh well, uh, they must know. <laughs> they must know. Yeah, dry hairs <laughs> for squids. Uh, yeah, you also get early access to the Ace episodes bed day, the five dollar tier, and you get a voting rate once per month uh, as well on an episode. So that's how this movie came about. Exactly. 
Uh, so go check it out. I think we could have had other movies that we could have watched. Plus, you can submit movies to the reactor. I don't mention this often enough, but the five dollar patrons and up get to submit movies to a to do list of sorts. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, in fact, the next vote we're doing, uh, which may be up by the time this goes up, it may not be depending. Uh, but the next vote we're doing will actually be four options from the reactor. So, uh, whoa! I know. People have been using it. Yeah, cool. people have been using it. So let's start with gauging something. What was your reaction to? Maybe you remembered this going in because I, I did. I always remember this for some reason. But what, let's gauge your reaction to REM's "It's the End of the World as We Know It" playing at the start of the movie. Like, how did that make you feel on this rewatch? I mean, I get it. It's on the nose. It's a quirky, fun movie. If one person in the audience laughs, then everyone's going to laugh or giggle at it. So I I understand why it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little eye rolly. Actually, I don't plan to go through this with a fine tooth comb, but I I do want to mention the opening titles because it's really 90s how they sort of blow away. It's like... Everything's destruction, even the credits. Everything, everything clanks together and then explodes. It's just it's so nineties. Uh, it, it, it actually reminds me. It legitimately reminds me of of the fake movie and Last Action Hero. Uh, if you remember the Jack Slater four movie that he goes to see in the movie, it has this like, over the top thing where the credits are on like different types of wall and the walls keep exploding. Uh, mm-hmm. It reminds me of that. Yeah, uh, you're right. So, yeah. So we're That's just sci-fi, right? Yeah, we discussed this before. He goes into okay, a movie good. screen. That's sci-fi. Yeah, it's sci-fi. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, I've actually not watched it in a lot of time. I, I want to watch it. Uh, so we're interested in various... Charles Dance movies, so yeah. We're interested in various main characters. Um, the, honestly, the the list of like credits is really weird to me because it kind of prioritizes some... I guess, I guess some people had it in their contracts to get to appear yay high, but... Mary McDonald, who I like a lot from Battlestar Galactica, so I mean I'm okay with her getting some credit, but she's a relatively small part of the movie because like the president's wife's in like three scenes and then dies. She's not like why she's fourth build, I have no idea. Uh, like she, her name, know. her name's above Judd Hirsch, above Robert Loggia, above Randy Quaid, above uh, you know, May Whitman, like. Vivica A. Fox <laughs> is like really far down the list, and she's oh like, really she's a major character compared to like oh definitely she she's underneath uh, Adam Baldwin, for example, and she's un- <laughs> yeah that seems wrong yeah this, this obviously this is some politics you know Hollywood politics they play here with these disorder but um very very odd uh but yes uh so so I mean I think the best way to tackle the first like like chunk of the movie up until the attack is just sort of take each of the main characters and just sort of do their bit as opposed to okay because i'm not going to remember to bounce around uh so there's a lot of scenes in this movie it'd be hard to keep track yeah there's a lot of cutting around to the ver- all, all the various parties uh so you got will smith's character steve hiller who's actually a little bit uh later in the movie compared to everyone else because he doesn't it's not until after the ships arrive that he like stumbles out of bed yeah and we get to meet him and uh the, the girlfriend and the 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 potential stepson and I always remember, the, I think the one shot that I always distinctly remember from this movie that really, like, encapsulated Independence Day to me is the shot when he's looking at the paper. He goes outside, he looks at the paper, and he looks down the side of the street and, like, everyone's packing to leave. Yeah. And he looks down the other side and everyone's packing to leave. 
and yeah. then he looks up. It's a really good shot, actually. I thought it, it's probably it's one of the more inspired shots in the movie. Yeah, uh, is him noticing how you're... he doesn't notice the giant saucer that takes up <laughs> <laughs> that's the size of a city. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it it is a really good shot. I thought. Hey, if I just you know slept in with Vivica A. Fox, I might be blinded by things too. Like, yeah, just... right. Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> the woman's very attractive. That's all I'm saying. I know, and she dances in the movie in the opening. I will say, mm-hmm. Will Smith, you really should have taken one of her girlfriends to go buy the ring. <laughs> that is one ugly engagement <laughs> ring. No matter how much a girl likes dolphins, <laughs> don't get her an engagement ring with dolphins on it. <laughs> uh good good to know good to know <laughs> yeah not a good call I'll, I'll uh write that down somewhere it's a valid tip uh what, what i <laughs> yeah her being a stripper is such a random like she's super proud of it yeah it, it's this weird thing where his friend because we one of the things we discover about him because when you've got a movie like this it's bouncing around so many characters and so many disaster movies do this because they want like a wide variety of characters is that we find out that he really wants to be a, an astronaut and he's applied to get an NASA and he, he's rejected. And when it, it turns out that he's, he's wanted to propose, his friend, you know, in the, in the Air Force says to him, uh, hey, they're never going to let you into NASA if you marry a stripper. And I thought... Seems to be an odd thing to vet for. Yeah, but... like, would they even look at what his wife does beyond just, like, I don't know. I, 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 that seemed like a weird. I mean, maybe they would. Maybe there is some bullshit politics where that would be a thing. Yeah, but... we need to have like the image of the perfect American or something. And yeah, if you're with a stripper, then yeah. <laughs> it's a bad look. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But this movie is very pro stripping, though. It'd be, it would be a very awkward conversation if he gets the job, but they say to him, "Look, there's a condition. <laughs> Your wife's got to stop being a stripper." <laughs> like, imagine them coming home, be like, "Okay, honey." I've got my dream job. Uh, you know, it's just what I've been dreaming of since I was a kid. Uh, the pay is amazing. There's just one catch. You have to give up what you like doing. <laughs> like that that conversation ain't going well. Yeah. Of course. I mean, like, uh, would he really want her to keep stripping? I mean, that's a, I mean, how much does she actually like it? She says it's worth it because her son's worth it, like, because it pays well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if she's but actually. They pat- pay pretty well. They take care. Of, I mean, the military takes care of their families. Oh sure, yeah. But I, I just like how much is she actually passionate about the stripping itself? Like, is, is it an art form? I don't think it's an art form to her. I could be wrong. It doesn't go into it that deeply. There was that. Um, what was that movie with uh, Jennifer Lopez that apparently goes into that? So I want to say hustlers. We can add that to the list to compare the two. I want to say hustlers. The hustlers. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Sounds right. Sounds I right. I never saw it, but I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... And that's pretty much it. I, I, honestly, I don't know why I started with him, because ultimately that's his entire plot before the attack. Because, I, I, you know, it's basically just, okay, once the attack's happened, he's in the planes. So that's him for now. Yeah, uh, yeah he goes into Top Gun mode. President uh, Whitmore, played by Bill Pullman. Uh, mm-hmm. We meet him and his daughter, uh, his wife, the first lady's in, in, in... I think she's in L.A., because he's in Washington, obviously, uh, and she's in LA. Uh, probably where where they end up meeting up later. I guess that would make sense. Well, it's not even just that. Well, yeah, obviously, uh, it makes sense. Yeah, for, for, for who finds her, but uh, it has to be either there or New York because that's the only three cities that are bombed on that first night. 
Like okay. nowhere, else, nowhere else is attacked, so it has to be one of them. So I, I'm pretty sure it's Ellie. Uh, and you know, we get interested in the idea that like he's not the most popular president, and uh, you know, I, I, I mean, a lot. Of, the thing about his character is that a lot of his stuff is basically he's there to make decisions about what's happening. So a lot of his stuff is the exposition scenes where someone in the military is like. Mr. President, we have spotted this off the coast. I know it's approaching at this speed and it's doing this. It'll be here in 17 minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's not an asteroid. How do you know that for sure? Because it's slowing down. <laughs> like, it just... Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. yeah. That, that's basically all his stuff for that first chunk. Uh, there, there's a couple of things where he's, like, concerned about his wife. So, oh, I don't want you in the city. And she's like, no, no, I'll stay here and, like, support you and I'll leave after the interviews. Uh, turned out to lead to her demise. Uh <gasps> Sorry to say. We're not there yet. Yeah. Sorry to say. Um, I guess what I'm really discovering here, actually describing their plots out loud uh, for this first part of the movie, because it's like a good 40 minutes of the movie, maybe even more than that, is that I guess the most interesting parts go to Jeff Goldblum, because he's the one who actually sort of does something and cracks a code and like is aware of the danger and is trying to get to the president to prove to him that something, he's figured something out, that it's counting down to the thing. Yeah. He's got a, got a good relationship with, I guess it's his father. Or a father yeah. figure. No, I think it's his dad. Definitely his father? Yeah, okay. I, think it's, I think it's his dad. Because he says multiple times, my David, or... I mean, I know I mean, you don't have to be your actual birth father to say that. Do people say birth father? I guess they don't. <laughs> father doesn't really give the birth, necessarily. But you know what I mean. Uh, I know. by blood. Yeah. yeah. Baby daddy. Baby daddy. <laughs> Unless we're talking about Junior. Uh, in which case... Oh, yeah. I hear that's an auto movie. <gasps> that's a science fiction movie. A man gives birth. I mean, that's they'll get more science fiction than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so one-liners. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, he he kind of like figures things out. I, I guess the weird thing is, is that so much of this first chunk of the movie is spent building up. You know, the, the ships arriving, the countdown, trying to get to the president. Uh, we find out that the president and David have history. Because his, I don't know what her job role is, but uh, David's She's like PR or something. Yeah. David's ex-wife works for him, and he punched the president before he was a president, admittedly. But there's there's tension there. <laughs> um, so we discover all this stuff. That's all going on. Yeah, yeah, it's really convenient. Yeah, there's... how everybody just knows each other. Oh, there's a or, lot of like, conveniences. Falls into like. The situation where they have to Wait, meet up. You mean the fact that Vivica A. Fox meets the first lady when Will Smith's <laughs> already with the president in Area 51 later? Like, <laughs> how that happens? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some coincidental shit happening in this movie. That's, that's you know, <laughs> that, that's definitely a thing. Um, so, but the attack happens. Um, and you know it, it, it's destruction porn for like five minutes you know the white house blows up we have the the, the the wall of flames going down the street the slow motion of uh vivica a. fox's dog leaping to safety i had to second. stop the movie at this point <laughs> <laughs> once the dog jumps in uh, outruns that really slow fireball through the tunnel i went oh, okay i need to take a break <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's that's i mean that's fair that's... what happened to the dog after that we didn't see him again i think he's just with them and then you just barely see it there's a, okay. there's a whole thing where it shows that she's got a heart of gold because she's like driving a truck around like picking up survivors 
right. from around the, the rubble of the city. She's a stripper with a heart of gold. Yes. Which is just what this movie needed, I guess. <laughs> uh, a, lot of, a lot of weird little things like that. And then obviously you have Randy Quaid, who we find out is a, a, a crop duster. Uh, he was in Vietnam. And he, you know, rumor has it he believes he was abducted by aliens like 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. uh, his kids were about to He's abandon never him. recovered. Yeah, yeah, the kids were about to drive off in the RV. And then he just happened to show up in time for... It's like, yeah, it's a good idea. Let's get out of here. I'm like, they were about to leave you. They were about to just go because you're a pain in the ass. So, you know, we set up that. Uh, which there's a lot of weird moments in this movie. Like, the the one later that always gets me is when Will Smith, after Will Smith had his like whole thing where he's been in the plane and he's 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 downed one of them and he's dragging the the carcass through the desert. Is the the, the shot of like the the fifty RVs like driving towards him? It's such a movie moment where like this would never really work like this and like this this visual wouldn't i know the desert is so white also (laughs) i think it's shot outside of salt lake city where they Mm. have like well it's a lot of salt (laughs) a lot of white sand and salt but like it's (laughs) it's so bright (laughs) it's a really good it's it's a good looking shot uh, the visual looks good but it's one of those things where it takes me out of it a little bit because i'm like this is such a movie setup thing. Like, you know, this 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 is a not a natural. And sometimes that doesn't bother me so much. It, it, I guess it's kind of the thing where this movie does so many like sort of really obvious cheesy things that some of the stuff that I might let slide in a better movie, I, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> like, of course you're doing this. Oh, this movie's nothing but cheese. Oh yeah, there's there's cheese all over it. Uh, you know, even something is uh. Like simple as like before they go up in the planes, Will Smith's yelling about kicking E.T.'s ass and the 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 the, 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 the I don't know what rank it the captain whoever's whoever's giving the orders here uh he he's like uh you get your chance you all will he's like, I'm, oh god my god right. he's a general the yeah. uh, captain rank in the um I guess he's army is uh is uh, the same as a lieutenant in the navy but they could be navy pilots. They might be Navy pilots, because Navy pilots are, like, blue angels and stuff. So maybe it's Navy. I don't know. I don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. Stop. I didn't really pay attention. <laughs> Stop either playing or moving things around your mic or touching the mic. I don't know what you're doing, but there was a noise. Okay. Well, it's, <laughs> it's done. <laughs> you can't do anything near the mic. It'll pick it up and it'll... I'm still new at this. I've only been doing this like a year. <laughs> Don't make noises next to the mic. I mean, it's a pretty... It's like the first lesson. <laughs> I, I didn't take that note down in class. I forgot. Uh, yeah, attacks happen. They go up in the planes. Discover that the, the, the ship has a shield that won't let anything through. Um, I think what really bugged me about this moment is that no one really... Like, they just kind of take it for granted and accept, oh, it must have some sort of shield. And I'm like, right, hold on. Like, could someone act surprised that there's literally a force field? Because that's a pretty sci-fi concept. You know, especially, I mean, even now it'd be a sci-fi concept, but in the 90s, like, come on. Like, yeah, a literal okay. Star Trek-style, like, shield. I think it's fair that they wouldn't know right away that there's a shield. I no. think it's a little silly that the pilot could pull up in time to, like, 
no, avoid no, crashing I, into I, it. I'm not critiquing that they wouldn't know it's a shield. I'm critiquing that as soon as they see it hit the thing, they, someone just says, oh, they must have some kind of shield, and just everyone accepts it. No, no one acts surprised at the type of shield it is or says, oh, that's like really advanced. Or, they just kind of like, oh, it has a shield, of course. Like, it's just, yeah. I don't know. It's just the reaction to okay. it just reads okay. wrong to me. Uh, I'm like, they literally have a Star Trek force field shield. <laughs> and no one reacts to it. <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, Will Smith's friend. Uh, you know, his, his, Harry Connick Jr. Yes, that dude. I, I, I don't know who this guy is. Should I know him from something? Is... He's Mr. 90s guy. Is he? Okay. He did a lot of rom-coms. And yeah, maybe he... just like dramatic movies. He's just there to die. Like you can tell from the first second he's on screen, he's there he to be the really death. He is really working hard to show you that he and Will Smith are best buds. Yes, yes. And here's the thing: Will Smith's not going to be the one to die because he's Will Smith. So no. your time on this, this earth contract. is is not long for this world. Yes. Uh, so, yes. He it reminded me a little bit of Wing Commander. <laughs> I could see that. I could. See, he's he's yeah. the Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Yes, I was getting major Matthew Willard mm-hmm. Wing Commander vibes. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Uh, did you enjoy Will Smith punching the alien in the face and going, "Welcome to Earth"? No. <laughs> not did I. That that moment is not aged well at all. It just feels so cheesy. Um, no, all of his like one-liners are just like I get it. He's super cool, but he's talking to nobody, <laughs> so he kind of comes off as a bit loony. <laughs> It's one of those things that I guess we just accepted in the 90s, and maybe even before the 90s as well, but yeah. it's one of those things where we strive to make th- things feel a bit more grounded now. Even even in a light-hearted, like, fun movie, like a, like a Marvel movie, for example. Like, there's certain things, there's, there's, there's certain rules we just don't break now, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. we just, we noticed that they were kind of stupid. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we, just, we collectively went, no, that's not allowed anymore. We're not yeah, going to do that. Yeah, I mean, that. we... We made fun of it when we watched the the first episode of the Twilight Zone, like mm. the, an episode about a guy being alone and still just narrating everything to himself. Yeah. Why? Why does he need to talk out loud? I I almost think there's a benefit to remaking that episode, just in, if, if, but only if the if the whole point was to do it without me speaking, because then I'd be mm. okay. That's interesting. See, I see if you can pull. There that is off. a a movie, a pretty good movie, uh, called All Is Lost with Robert Redford. And where he like goes out to sea and he's by himself. He's in like a little a little boat, and he gets caught up in a storm and he's basically stranded. Hmm. And because he's by himself, he never talks. And I think it's his best role because I actually don't think he's a very good actor when he talks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a that's a pretty cutting critique there. I mean, actors usually have to talk in the roles. Yeah. Uh, not often do they get away with not doing it. Uh, I mean, I think he was better than he is now <laughs> that's fair um yeah. do you know what's funny you know that an actor didn't do a whole lot after their their role as a kid in a movie when their image in imdb still at that age you're like okay they're talking about the son no it was the uh, the daughter although i she has in uh, mrs doubtfire which i do actually know that I've, I've just read that i i can see her in mrs doubtfire now that i've read that but um mm-hmm. Uh, that must be. That must have sucked because she had a bigger role in that movie. It must suck to get a smaller role in a movie a couple of years later. <laughs> Bummer. Her career's on the way down. Uh, yeah, she she hasn't done anything since two thousand, so she just completely gave up the acting. 
There was one actor in the background when we got to Area 51 where I'm just like, I think I know who that guy is. Like, I think he's more popular today. And he's just listed as like Area 51 technician or whatever, but mm. he's got a really recognizable face. I'm going to look him up. Wayne Melderson? Yes. He was on Veep. Yes. And I love Veep. There you go. Yeah. I did it. I, I solved it. Yeah. Well, you probably knew who it was right away because I think he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, I actually didn't recognize him. I just happened to be looking down the cast list when you said that. And oh. clicked on him. <laughs> so I looked really smart and I'm okay with that. Uh, where alternatively, if you go to Mae Whitman on this list, the photo is not her in this movie. It is of, you know, Mae Whitman. Her? Yeah, right about now. Honestly, my favorite line in the whole movie, I said this to Tara actually before we started, but I'll repeat it for the audience. My favorite line in the whole movie is after the attacks have happened and they're on Air Force One, and of course there's a shot of the plane riding away from the explosions because they're just leaving in the nick of time and no more. Uh, there's a moment where Judd Hirsch starts like defending his son and starts saying, no, you, you wouldn't be alive once with my David. And he's making all these good points, but then he starts to like a crazy way. He's like, and you knew, you, you, you knew things, Area 51, you know, Roswell, New Mexico, you knew these things. And everyone started, you know, Bill Palmer's like, oh, okay, sorry, I can assure you there was no alien aircraft. And then like the, the Secretary of Defense is like, actually, sir, that's not entirely accurate. And it just, it, the camera just cuts to Jeff Goldblum, who goes, which part? <laughs> Which part's not accurate? Uh, cut to Area 51, uh, where we get you know, all... Like, there's a lot of staff at Area 51. For, for a well-kept secret, there's a lot of staff at this place. Yeah, it is. Fully staffed. Yeah, uh, including Brent Spiner, who totally dies in this movie and yet is somehow back in the second one. That is, you know... Is like, that true? Oh, he's back, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, Dr. Noonien soon like has a lot of relatives <laughs> that we never hear about until it's convenient to cast Brent Spiner in a thing. So this is clearly a relative, Dr. Soon, experimenting on alien technology, passed down through generations to create androids, perhaps. Uh, for those of you playing your atomic cinema experiment bingo at home, <laughs> you can cross off Tara made a Star Trek reference. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i i mean the sequel's a weird one which we'll we'll do at some point in the near future since we've done this one now uh i, I did see it when it came out it's it's one of those things we're watching i'm like why did they make this like almost 20 years later i don't understand why it exists uh, no actually it was more than 20 years because yeah 96 to 2016 oh it was exactly 20 years is Isn't years? it a bunch of like the sons of characters in the film? Some of them, yeah, but a lot of the cast are back as well. They didn't get Will Smith back, but they got because uh... he was doing Suicide Squad, right? Yeah, he was doing something, or he just didn't want him, or or he wanted more money, or so. I don't, I, mean, I don't know what the actual reason was, but uh... there's no way that it's worse than Suicide Squad. What a garbage movie. You know what? I'll, I'll I'll spoil my opinion a little bit and say, yeah, it's correct. It is not as bad as Suicide Squad. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen it, so something to look forward to, I guess. Yeah, some weird choices in it, but uh, it's because right, the general in this, the one you know, Robert uh, uh, Logia, uh, mm -hmm. he uh, he actually has a cameo in the second one. But of course, like he's already pretty old in this movie, so in the second one, he's got this little cameo at the start where he can barely stand up. He's he's, he's an ancient old man. Uh, poor old guy. 
I thought, oh, they carried him out. They couldn't get Will Smith, but they carried him out for the old folks home to, to come in and do a cameo. Hey, we're not ageists on this channel. Really? Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. He's in his twilight years. Still fully capable well, no, but, of but, 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 acting. Well, I don't think he is because he doesn't have a line. He just, he just sort of waves. <laughs> like he's, he's there getting a medal for, for something. Oh, he's like one of the old vets who yeah. like... Waves at the 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 cars that drive by with the signs. Happy one hundredth birthday! Yeah, and it's actually it's really funny because I'd forgotten uh, Vivica A. Fox's character was a stripper in this, and I laughed a little bit because I remembered what her job is in the second one, uh, which just you know, mild spoiler, not a stripper. Oh, okay. She, she's she was so proud to be a stripper. She's like a nurse in the second one. Maybe, maybe is she a doctor even. Definitely a nurse. I don't know if she's a doctor, but she's she's worse well, than a hospital. She, she can have a doctorate in nursing. Is it true? That's true. I just, yeah. I just don't remember though. As a written point, I don't. It's not that I'm confused by the roles. I just it's not that memorable a movie. Okay. Um. But anyway, it's better than Suicide Squad. Uh, I mean, a lot of things are better than Suicide Squad. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I I could go get like a really intrusive medical procedure. And come out of it, go. You know what? Still not as bad as Suicide Squad. Maybe uh, Quay would agree with you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, luckily, Will Smith knows about Area Fifty One because when he runs into the RVs, he's just kind of like, "I know of a base nearby here." He said he saw one. Yeah, and on he, the flyby. Yeah, and he 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 recruits the entire army of RVs. <laughs> To go to Air Fifty One with them, uh, and it's kind of there's a lot of little convoluted things like, like towards the end because they established because the base that he left from that he flew from originally gets attacked and destroyed by the, by the aliens, right? They, they, they're, mm -hmm. they're strategic. They go after the base of operations, and that happens again at the end when they're doing the big attack. They come after Air Fifty One, and they kind of point out some weird bullshit. Oh no, we're underground and we're safe. Like they could bomb us with tons of stuff and it wouldn't affect anything. And like uh, Goldblum's wife says. Yeah, but what about the people outside? Because all the people in the RVs are just sort of hanging around outside in their RVs. And it's like, oh, so they have this like convoluted reason to bring them all into Area 51 just so that uh, Quaid's son can be in the control room and sort of hear the comms of his father deciding to like commit suicide to like save the planet. Like, you know, it's just things like that. It's like, oh, this is so like the, the part contrived that, and convoluted. When, when they first show up, and Will Smith drives up to the gate, and the guard, the gate guard's just like, "You can't come in here." He's like, "But I'm army or whatever." And he's like, "Sorry, this is restricted." And then he's like, "Here's my pass or whatever." And he shows the alien. The guy's like, "Oh God, aliens!" Like you work at Area Fifty One. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. He's just a security guard. He's never actually been in and looked at the lab, right? He's never been in there and looked at the the specimens from the fifties. Uh... <laughs> Brent Spiner is so excited by everything as well. He's so excited that the ship's turning on and that he's got the aliens. Like, do you want to see him? Uh, crazy. Uh, How do you feel about him in the movie? What do you think of his character? He's he's, he's kind of the cheesy it's cliche. Terrible. Yeah, it's so he's, bad. He's, he's, he's not good. Uh, I just want to be like, oh, Brent Spiner. No. And, and I'll tell you this: he's he's he's, he's way worse than the second one as well. Uh, um, I'm sure it's a body double, but you'd even get bare ass from this character in the second movie. Oh boy! Because just to, just to put this in perspective, 
He's literally in a coma until he wakes up in the second movie. But <laughs> <Like> years <laughs> later. Okay. He wakes up because like So he wasn't dead, he was in a coma. Yeah, even though even though his pulse is clearly checked in the, in the scene in this movie to imply that he's yeah, dead. Yeah, and he's like ghostly white, yeah. if not grey. <laughs> yes, if I remember it correctly, he wakes up because the, the aliens telepathically link with people, which is a really small plot point in this, but because of that, he wakes up when the aliens are coming because like they activate him. Like, it wakes him up. <laughs> it jolts him. Oh, so he's like a sleeper agent for the aliens. Yeah. Well, pa- but Bill Pullman, if I remember right, has like weird telepathic visions as well because again they spoke to him in this movie oh so, is he in this sequel yeah bill pullman's there bill pullman is basically a quaid's character in the second one he's the crazy one who wants revenge all right <laughs> I know it's all of a sudden i'm looking forward to it oh god he's got a big beard oh th- anyway uh so they're confused by what to do. Uh, will smith on a whim decides to go to the base his own base to see if uh uh, the girlfriend showed up and she did so he comes in the helicopter because uh, there's a whole thing where he's taking the helicopter and a guy who's like you know in charge of the helicopter comes up and says sorry sir I can't let you take this uh, he's like I'm just going to borrow I'm not stealing it right I just got to go check something it's like sir no and he's got a gunpoint I was like do you really want to shoot me and the guy just says mm, and he just puts his gun down he's like tell him I hit you and he just looks like oh. the guy's like a refrigerator. He's so big. I know. Like you could take you could take him if you really wanted to, dude. Like, like you could take him on. Um, but and we get the the tragic death of the first lady. Uh, which I I think what's funny like talking about this and actually sort of regurgitating some of the plot is it's just it's making me realize how little the characters have on their own. Like each. Yeah, it really is an ensemble. Yeah. Uh. So. Well, it's not too dissimilar from what's that other disaster movie, 2012. Yes, I also saw that one, so I don't really remember it that well. Yeah. I remember there been arcs at the end. I think a it. lot of... I, th- I think they just took the blueprint of Independence Day and then reshuffled characters and settings and made the same movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. But CG was even more advanced then, so they had even more ridiculous things happening behind them. And they promised you wolves, and the whole movie that you just you're just expecting wolves to show up, and you have wait, to wait so long. You're thinking of day after tomorrow for the wolves. Oh, I am thinking of day. I've never seen twenty twelve, actually. I am thinking <laughs> of day after tomorrow. Oh yeah, day after tomorrow has the wolves. Yeah, and the yeah. the ice. There's literally in that movie where they're running from the ice chasing them because you can see the ice like making things go colder as it goes, and I'm like. <laughs> This is not how ice works. <laughs> I know. I mean, the fireball in this movie is the same. <laughs> it was so slow through the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Yep. I hated that scene. Yep. Uh, so, uh, one thing we didn't mention actually is that after the attacks, there's like a sort of really dramatic thing where it comes up saying, July 2nd, like on the screen. <laughs> and then after the first lady dies, I oh, saw July third, and then after the first yeah. lady dies, it comes up saying July fourth, and it's like, oh, it's the day. Um, and this is where Judd Hirsch accidentally gives Jeff Goldblum, who's had nothing to do since they actually like got to the president, really, like ever, ever since they got to Area Fifty One, Goldblum's just kind of been hanging around, like he's been there to react to things, but he's not really had much to do. Uh, That's true. It's entirely possible we have too many characters in this. So I don't want to, you know. Say anything radical, but there might be too many characters. 
but he gets the idea to give them a virus because his father says, I don't want you to catch a cold. And this gives him yeah. a genius idea. And they've probably seen War of the Worlds. <laughs> Very good point. Uh, yes. Uh, of course, the, the, the plot hole that everyone loves to bring up in this movie is that a Mac can't interact with Windows, but his Mac can hook up to the alien interface and <laughs> upload a virus. Well, that's we've already established that Jeff Goldblum is a genius. Yes, yes. Uh, he's such a genius that in his demonstration to show the shields and how he can turn them off, he almost get people killed with a ricocheting bullet, bullet to make his point <laughs> that the shields are working the first time. Well, he's still a nerd. He doesn't know how guns work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's all like, yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll fly this thing up there and we'll, we'll, we'll do that. What, what bugs me about this scene is that I get why in the earlier stuff, why Bill Pullman, like every time David suggests something, he's like, sigh, and he's like, oh, this guy. But he proved his worth by like getting that whole countdown thing right, right? And he's just mm-hmm. demonstrated he can turn off the shield. So when he says that the plan has to be to fly the thing up and go to the mothership, and Bill Pullman sighs, like, oh, David with his crazy idea. No, he just proved he could do part of it. Like, this isn't that ridiculous. And at this point, what other options do you have? Like, the world's right. screwed, right? The aliens- I mean, his plot is a little bit like, we just do this, and then magically, magically the this next part will follow, and then everything will be fine. You're like, okay, but you really skipped a lot of the details. Like, can your MacBook hook up to an alien ship? <laughs> and of course, Will Smith decides to volunteer to fly it. Uh, he steps in and says, this is my chance to be an astronaut. I'm going to, you know what, I see my shot, I'm going to take it. I'm going to get in there. And the president is just like, good luck. <laughs> good luck, let's do this. Uh, I mean, it's not the most ridiculous person they asked to fly something for them. <laughs> that is true, that is true. Uh, because they need pilots for all their ships for this attack if they can turn off the shields. So they get Randy Quaid and a bunch of other volunteers. And... Randy Quaid is just trying to, you know, quit drinking <laughs> like so he could fly a plane uh, to help save the Earth. Yeah, he's a he's a crop duster, so clearly he can fly a what, F-18. Well, it was <laughs> in, he was in Vietnam as a pilot, so at least there is combat flight experience. Sure. Admittedly, you know, it's been 20 years or so, so it's, I mean, the planes have probably advanced a little bit uh, <laughs> since he last flew one, but Really, the most ridiculous thing is that the president flies. A oh jet. yeah, well yeah, that was one of the key details earlier. Is that he he like he 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 sort of like his campaign was based on that he was this young you know jet fighter pilot like, um, and he decides that he's going to do that at the end, which I thought was really irresponsible. See, if your wife had just died and you had an only child, like, would you really put yourself in a position where she might become an orphan? <laughs> Look, yeah that felt like a really odd choice like i get him maybe doing that if the wife is still around <laughs> like it's it, it's dumb yeah it yes. like why why would any they they go through so many steps to to protect the president and he's like no i'm gonna fly out there tonight mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm a combat vet or whatever i need to i need to do this and the guy's like yeah you do <laughs> 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 there's no way you know what this was this was uh basically why like you know kirk always went in the dangerous missions but then next gen raker kept oh, every time it comes up he's like no picard you're captain you stay safe on ship i go out and do dangerous things uh basically what i'm saying is he needs his raker he needs his number one to yeah like, no, no no you can't do this he needs his xo yeah 
yeah, doesn't have it. Uh, of course, he has his big speech. Uh, do you know, do you know the thing is? There, there is like a, a, one of the fighter pilots who that they recruit that sort of gets real chummy with them afterwards. Like the, mm. he looks like a, I don't know, like a, like an Alabama rocker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it, <laughs> he looks like that's he, his exo now. <laughs> he, he wouldn't look at a place standing next to a. Uh, uh, ZZ Top. Maybe? That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, ZZ Top. Um, <laughs> So, so this is the thing. So the only mention of the rest of the world throughout the up until this point in the movie is a little bit when it's on the news that there's ships arriving and they mention, oh, there's one over, you know, London, there's one over whatever Paris, right? And that's it. That is the last dimension of the, the the rest of the world until they send out Morse code because they want every country to attack the ships at the same time and the shields are down, right? So, yeah. and my favorite response to this is the first people the who go part. to. Is there's like a it's like a couple of British officers, but they're not in the UK. They're in like uh, the Middle East. Those they're, like yeah, they're in like Israel or something. Yeah. Um, and there's like Morse code. It's like oh, the, and actually that's cracked me up as well. Is one of the soldiers is like it's the Americans. They're sending something to the old Morse code. I'm like wait, hold on a sec. Right, Morse code is old, but isn't Morse code still like a sort of like safety net like in general for like military and stuff? Like uh, we, yeah, it's something that we are supposed to learn i never did but yeah but like, it's like it, part of our training manual is that there's a chapter on morse code and technically we're all supposed to know it if you were the communications person it was probably more of a priority you would have to know it. yeah yeah right so <laughs> him turns to it's in the old more it's, it's like he's an old man he's like, i've not seen morse code since i was in my 20s and you know but he's not he's like 25 like it doesn't make any sense anyway um Right, and the guy's response when he said, "Oh, it's the Americans. They want to launch a global counterattack." And this guy, that whoever's in charge, just leads it. Goes, so "It's about bloody time!" <laughs> it's like, "What you you were waiting? You were the waiting for the, the Americans? Waiting on their heroes, the Americans." <laughs> what, what, like, what, what was Canada doing during this time? What was Germany doing? What was uh, you know Russia doing? What, what was? This is. I don't know. Like what they talked about earlier about sending nukes to to try to blow up the ship before mm. all the before they sent the other plans what's the try and, uh, they try it which they try and I, I kept thinking like wouldn't other countries try to nuke like don't they have alien ships too that they have when they try to send a nuke out so this is the thing we have this thing this montage where people around the world of various you know countries races languages religions whatever they all are like getting these messages and they're gearing up to fight. And then he makes his big speech in front of the pilot, fighter pilots. You know, his big, we will not go you know, quietly into this good night, you know. Uh, but, but the fair part is like, uh, from this day forth, uh, July 4th will no longer be known as an American holiday. And I almost, I, I was, and I sort of thought, and I was like, I feel like if the president stood up and said that to a crowd, they would boom. <laughs> like... You know, to an American crowd said, "Oh, July Fourth, not ours anymore." This is not really a global film. This yeah. is very much a movie for America. It's almost like that one line is just there to appease the rest of the planet. Like, oh, it's not just a myth, but it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I love this speech. I love this moment. When I think about Independence Day, this is what I think about. When I think about a great movie president, this is the moment that I think of. Um, I love the extra with the salute at the end. Uh, I know. Really... That's the worst part of this. The worst part of this whole thing is this guy who salutes at the end. It's so 
animated. <laughs> it's so animated. It's so- it's so perfect. It's it's such the reaction that I have in my gut. And I'm pretty sure when I was a Canadian citizen and watched this, I felt like I was an American that day. Maybe yeah, but... this is what inspired me to join the military. <laughs> no, it wasn't sharp. <laughs> it definitely was not. Star Trek. <laughs> it was definitely Star Trek, and then you joined the military. And went, oh oh shit! This is nothing like Star Trek. I've been lied to. I made a huge mistake. You had a Joe Bluth moment. I was really, yeah, I was really <laughs> excited when I met my first ensign. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, so. Yeah, we have the big thing. Uh, Goldblum and Will Smith go up in the the alien ship, and they go into the main ship. And we get the bad CG, uh, and they're hiding. Uh, did you enjoy that his laptop? Because uh, obviously his name is David, right? Jeff Goldblum. When he opens his laptop, there's a image of Hal Nine Thousand, and it actually says to him out loud, "Good morning, Dave." I, yeah, I didn't totally miss this. What on this viewing? Yeah. What? How did you not see I, this? I must have like looked down at my phone or my dog or something. I don't know. I totally missed this. Yeah, it's when they get on this. this but before they take off, they, they sit down and he's got his laptop ready. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, I remember you telling me there was a 2001 reference. And when I had finished the movie, I'm like, where was it? I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was that was it. It was just really, it's really, you know, in your face in a lot of ways. Because it's, you know, it's, it's, you actually see Hal 9000 and his name's Dave and he says, what well, you, you know. Uh, so. I was probably distracted by my kitty cat or something. I mean, I can't blame you. Like, I have to admit, when I was watching this, if I had to go and like to the bathroom or something, I wasn't pausing it. <laughs> I was like, no, I'll just let it play. <laughs> it's Independence Day. Uh, uh, you know what? The thirty seconds I miss or whatever, uh, it's fine. They got the ship. And they, they eventually have to do the whole runaway. Which, by the way, this this nuclear bomb that they put in there, uh, like thirty second timer. This this race to the exit. Is the longest thirty seconds? Oh my god! I have ever seen in my life. That this was so much longer because it it cuts back to the clock when they get out and it's just, just ten seconds left. But like, that was not twenty seconds. I know. I think the first time you see it, it's like ten seconds, fifteen seconds after they start the thirty second timer, and it says like twenty four seconds. What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've... a lot of movies are guilty of this, but they are. Like, but that's felt it's, is... it's particularly egregious. Yeah, that, this is particularly bad because it's such a short timer and it's really yeah. noticeable um but they land and blah blah uh we have to talk about the the glorious uh well, well first of all Bill Pullman like fires the first rocket the shield's still up and then he sort of just has a feeling he's like I want more t- I want one more try let me try one more time and the second one goes through uh that's just your movie moment but uh so Radley Quaid has a couple of big moments here where he sort of comes in and saves the the president uh, basically, they're all out of rockets. The thing's still not down, and the big, you know, weapons opening up. The big anus of the ship is opening up, and it's like, oh, I also we... refer to it as the butthole. Yes. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> what, you know, what if we try firing a rocket up there? You know, uh, give give them some anal probing for a change. Yeah. <laughs> Taste of their own medicine. And unless it wasn't this species of alien, maybe it was a different alien race. Yeah, <laughs> That'd be funny. But <laughs> it Randy... wasn't us. It was the Felicians. <laughs> Randy Quaid comes zooming in when they think there's no one left with a with a rocket. He's like, "Sorry, Mr. President, I was caught back there." And the music's blaring up, 
And it's okay, lock on, you know. Give that man some cover. Yeah, Fox 2, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And he tries to fire and the rocket jams. And, you know, he says, like, tell my kids I love them. And his son's in the control room listening to this because they let anyone wander in there, apparently. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, the, the we have him flying up the butthole. And, like, I both love and hate this because it really makes me laugh how stupid it is that this bright light's, like, on his face. And he's like, hey, boys, I'm back. Like, it's like, I can't take it seriously. <laughs> But I also kind of love how silly it is at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and, and the scene's, like, not bad. Like, I like this fight at the end. It, it's a yeah, good it's last stand for humanity, you know? Yeah. The movie's dumb, but it is kind of fun to watch. Uh, and this, this turns out to be that, you know, that one fault in the Death Star that takes the whole thing down. Because uh, you know, the whole ship comes blowing up from the inside. Um, and I was really noticing, again, noticing the effects and how they've dated. Just how the explosions look kind of, like, plastered on to the background kind of thing yeah they look really yeah. flat but whatever there's uh, one scene of like aliens attacking a, a like a, a base with all the the planes on it and stuff and <laughs> like it's clearly they they don't know how to animate the planes blowing up or they don't want to blow up a plane so like there's just explosions all around the planes instead of a plane exploding which would be the obvious thing to do if you're making it today yeah yeah that would totally happen there yeah, yeah. uh so Maybe yeah. the aliens are just really bad shots. It worked. We, we see shots of these ships coming down all over the planet and people celebrating and uh, they come back and he hugs his daughter. This was the moment where I said, yeah, you have, you're the only father to this. You're the only parent to this daughter now and you just went on a like a, a very dangerous mission. Like, really, was that a smart move? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The asshole yeah. Uh, Secretary of Defense who got fired for disagreeing too many times. Uh <laughs> He found some religion and sat with uh, Judd Hirsch while he was praying. With the Torah, I yes. guess. And also, this, this is actually a little, little known fact most people won't know here. Uh, but did you know that must go faster, must go faster was also said by Jeff Goldblum. In, oh, wow, what a fun bit of trivia. In the hit film Jurassic Park. And no one knows that. This is like a totally, you know, under the radar. Did you read moment. IMDb trivia for that? <laughs> no, I was joking before we started that it's almost not worth saying that one because everyone knows he says the same line in both movies. I uh, mean, so much of this film comes from other movies. Why not just take blatantly from Jurassic Park as well? <laughs> I would love to know if it was in the script or if he just, you know, he's in the set, he's in the, the spaceship set in the cockpit, and he thinks, you know what, I'm just going to throw this out there and we'll see if they keep it in. And <laughs> they did. I heard a lot of these lines were improvised, like a lot of the scenes with Je Jeff Goldblum and um, his dad were improvised. So maybe. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, and there's there's a couple of weird things here. Like I, I like I, I was really noticing how this kind of set up like the ex-wife of David as being kind of like you know this strong woman who has this important job and that's why she left him and. They have a couple of moments, you know, on the base where, you know, he never wanted to get a divorce because he, you know, he was happy being married and she wanted more. And that was kind of the, the conflict between them. Uh, but then they have this quiet little moment where she notices he's still wearing his wedding ring while, while Smith's getting married and it's kind of sweet, right? But I, and Vivica Fox, again, has her own thing where she's on her own, she's rescuing people, they're kind of treating her like she's got her own kind of thing. Once they get to the base and they're with their, you know, soon-to-be husband slash ex-husband, right? They kind of just 
become the wife characters who are concerned about their husbands because they're doing the important things. And it really stuck out to me when uh, after they, they, they take down the ships and they're in the control room and someone says, well, and the president comes in and says, oh, what about our delivery boys? Have we heard from them? Is it, oh, we lost contact 20 minutes ago. And just as he says this, like both of the ladies like come out of the crowd and they're there to listen and I'm like, this feels, they're just here in this final act to like be the concerned ones. And, yeah. Like, it, it, it and to like be it, to greet the heroes when they yeah. return to give them the kisses yeah the smooches because I, I, I felt like it wasn't doing that much with it but at least the, the first half i feel like okay they're, they're trying to give them at least some of their own thing right and yeah. then it felt like it just didn't matter in the second half once you know like the ex-wife was more egregious because that was like fairly early on what once they're on that air force one it's she's kind of just there for that point on uh, Vivica yeah, Fox, she's she gets a bit more because she's rescuing people and whatnot, and she's with the first lady. And then it takes a day base. for her to meet up with Will Smith again. Yeah, but once they're with them, that's kind of a and I mean it says something that the the, the, the posters, the the three men faces, you know, like they're the three char- characters. Yeah, they're not the with. they're not the most well written female per- female characters. Like they're yeah. they're there just to ooh and ah what their men are doing. It's kind of hard to sort of quantify this as a whole thing because I there's parts of it that I kind of like uh, nostalgia. Sure. Parts, I think a lot of Will Smith's moments have kind of aged badly. Jeff Goldblum not as much. Uh, He's still pretty much Jeff Goldblum-y. Yeah. I, I just looked it up because um, The Lost World was a year after this mm-hmm. and I if you remember during that review, I commented on how Jeff Goldblum doesn't really see very Goldblumy in that movie. Like he doesn't seem like the same character. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, he seems a lot more like Ian Malcolm than Ian Malcolm in The Lost World. Maybe he just wanted to get away from it. He's like, I'm too. I'm a typecast. I want to. But you're the same character. <laughs> he Jeff. just took a year off <laughs> <laughs> of being Jeff Goldblum. Mm. That that would be my guess. I I. Yeah, it, it's well. He's fully embraced it now. That's what's important. I mean, I will say it's still better than these later films, but it definitely is a Roland Emmerich movie for all of that. You know, all of that means. Yeah. There, there are a couple of gems in his filmography. I remember enjoying Universal Soldier. It's been a while. I like. I, I, I still kind of like Stargate. You know, I know it's goofy, but for what it is, I still kind of enjoy it. Yeah, I like Universal Soldier. We'll do that at some point. But I, I, I dig that movie. Uh, I like, I like Patriots Day. I know it's just American propaganda porn. I don't care. I like it. So is this movie. <laughs> uh, you mean the Patriot? Yeah, yeah. What did I say? Patriots Day. Oh, that's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, but nothing to do with Roald Emery. That's a Peter Berg film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I. Yeah, I don't know where I fall in this. Fall in this now. I mean, what would you want to give it? Um, I'm I want to give it a six. I think I think it's a six film. It's still it's the parts that are cringy are like really cringy. Like it's definitely not a good movie. But to say that it's not fun to watch is also kind of wrong. Like it is kind of fun to watch. So I'm gonna put it on the positive end. Not really my type of movie. I don't want any more of these movies to come out. Well, it's but funny you say that it's because part, it's a product of its time and <laughs> of yes. its time. It's a three out of three stars film, so six out of ten. It's a product of its time, and it has the most unnecessary, unwanted sequel in the history of movie sequels that came twenty <laughs> years wait. later. Uh, I uh, yeah, if they made a sequel to like, let's say a sequel came out in nineteen ninety eight, it may have worked. <laughs> you know, it <laughs> might have you know yeah, fit maybe. into it. Yeah. 
you know uh but 20 years later was such a weird thing like i like every, every part of that movie's like marketing i kept thinking who wants independence day 2 like who 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 wants a sequel to this movie it doesn't make sense Anyway. No, it's still something Hollywood does, though. They're still bringing back movies. We're getting another Ghostbusters sequel. Mm. Yeah. Too many, too many reboots. Too many re- reboots and franchises coming back from long ago. Yeah. I've, made, I've made that round before, though, so I won't get into it. Uh, so, yeah, my rating... I mean, yeah, sex is kind of fair. I... You always have to go lower than me. It's a little... <laughs> I don't have to go lower. I could give the same score. We can have parity. <laughs> For once, <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it a nine. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's perfectly watchable. I'll say that mm-hmm. it's very watchable, more watchable than these later movies, uh, but not good. And there's definitely parts that don't work. There's parts that are fine for nostalgia reasons. So, I'm going to give it five point five. So, well, of course you are. <laughs> look, look, I can rate things the same or higher. It happens occasionally, okay? Just okay. You put, put me in a corner, and now, <laughs> like, let's just move on with our lives, okay? Uh, that's Independence right. Day. Uh, we got other stuff coming in the next few weeks, but I think we will return to uh, the sequel maybe sometime in the summer, maybe even for, I don't know, July 4th-ish time. If maybe. we remember. If we, that's a big F. Uh, that's a big F. Uh, so, yeah, you let us know what you think of the comments uh, below. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on the Twitters at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates. If you want to support the show, we mentioned Patreon earlier, of course, patreon.com slash TV. But you can also support us by uh, you know liking and reviewing and giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a lot. People find us that way because uh, they'll promote us a little bit higher in the in the charts and all that kind of thing. Uh, is there anything else I, I need to tell you? I don't think so, but hopefully, hopefully we have fun. Uh, also, the show's in 1080p now, going forward, so hopefully that's... Ooh. Yeah. I'm still coming through on Skype, so I don't think I'll be 1080p. Yeah, but keep in mind, you're only a quarter of the screen, though, so it may still be an improvement for whatever resolution you actually pump through. Hopefully I'll look better. Ooh. It's coming through on 1080, but when you watch me, just watch it on 480. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. We love you loads. Keep watching science fiction, guys, and computer. That's Elsa. Welcome to Earth.